When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Higley. And I'm Lindsay Hunter. And, and I'm, I'm a writer. writer but... Welcome to I'm a Writer But. Today we have Shane Kowalski. Shane Kowalski lives in Pennsylvania and is the author of the book Small Moods. Welcome, Shane. I loved your book. We were just talking about this before the official welcome. Um, And it's so much fun to read and it's also very disconcerting. (laughs) It's also unsettling. (laughs) Um, And I hated myself because I was like, oh my God this reminds me of Lydia Davis. I wonder if anyone has said that. And it's literally on the back of the book, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) like along with like way better comparisons. Um, So yeah, if you like Lydia Davis and Richard Brodigan and uh, Russell Edson and Diane Williams, this is the book for you. It is. AKA it's the book for all of us. (laughs) Um, And on that note, please read to us. Yes. Um, So I actually have a piece that was written, it's not actually in the book, but it was written during the sort of the uh, the time of the, the time frame of the book, I guess. It's a longer story, but I'm probably just gonna cut off at whatever at some point, I guess. Um, it's called, the title is called, I Tried to Imagine a Horrifying Shape. <clears throat> <laughs> On the long plane ride to Farxixie, I had strangely pleasant dreams, though I couldn't recall them the feeling I woke to or with was of pleasant things just recently having happened to me. Was there a dog involved? Perhaps. Though I did not in my waking life think of dogs as being particularly pleasant things. When I thought of dogs, I thought of hard work, responsibility, and death with some unbearable love in between. I looked out the window of the slowly descending plane and observed Fark 60. I had never been and had never planned on going, but here I was. The others in the factory where I worked would often go on about it with dumbstruck reverence. Oh, that Fark 60, such climates it has, such vacationary splendor. So I've heard, so I've heard, much, much, much better than here. To me, Fark 60 was uninteresting. It was a place I knew I probably would not find any splendor in. On television and online, it was usually spoken of as the preferred destination for deranged diplomats and rehabbing celebrities, which meant everyone wanted to go there. 
When glimpsed in articles or clips, a palm tree, though looking perfectly not like a palm tree, was always shown. The sun fingering through the bladed leaves. You want to be here, is what it all said. Eh, give me a chair, I thought, a television, some peace and quiet in the gray geometrical city I lived, and I would be happy. I really did not need a Farxixi in my life, which is what they say a person says exactly before they need a Farxixi in their life. How it came to be that I was going to Farxixi then was a matter of necessity. My mother, who had made the trip to Farxixi years earlier in her retirement, had asked me to come. It was a great matter of importance that I come, very urgent. She sounded like everybody else, vexed, stressed, angry. So here I was, descending onto Farxixi from the clouds. The man in the seat next to me woke from his sleep with a startle. He made a kind of slapping sound with his mouth and looked at me as if he had caught me in a prank. Then the expressions on his face changed and he just looked deeply sad and blissful all at once. My God, he said, I'm awake. Yes, I said. I'm so glad, said the man. That was the worst dream I think I've ever had. I looked at the man. He was sweating. What was happening, I asked. Well, you see, he said, that's the thing. I, I, I don't think I'd be able to explain it. I mean, to do it justice or maybe explain it is the right words. It was just, just awful. Even now, I feel like I'm still in it. He clutched his chest as if to hold his heart, which I imagine was still thrusting in and out anxiously. I'm sorry you had to go through that, I said. Thank you, said the man. Just, just hearing you say that makes me feel better, like I've escaped the dream. Common decency or kindness, none of that was in this dream. The man sighed deeply. It was like he was trying to breathe in the air from ancient times. Then his eyes got really big and he said, there was that cube though. I remember, I remember that, uh, not, not so much a cube, but a trapezoid maybe. No, it was a kind of shape, maybe three-dimensional, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I hadn't recognized, but perfectly recognized before. Do you know what I mean? I thought about what he had tried to explain, but nothing happened in my head. Yes, I said finally. It was an awful thing, the man said. He, he was still visibly trying to place his body in the real world. What was so awful, I said, the trapezoid? I said it wasn't a trapezoid, the man said, but yes, whatever shape it was, it was, it was terrifying. In what way, I said. I couldn't say, the man said. It, it, its prospects were terrifying, I guess. Whatever it held or did, I don't know. I just felt it. The man shuddered and took a sip of the flat ginger ale he had been nursing when the plane had taken off several hours earlier. A visible wetness stayed on his upper lip. I'm sorry, a voice said from behind us, but I couldn't help overhearing you. I think I had the same exact dream. We looked behind us at the face of a woman who had appeared as if she had just gone through something very personal. It was so visceral, she said, that shape. Oh my God, you explained it perfectly. Like it held something, but also nothing. And all the while, I just couldn't wake myself up. It was like I was trapped forever. Yes, said the man. Oh my God, yes, the trapness. Hmm, maybe that's why I was saying trapezoid at first. It was like not being able to breathe in my head. At this, their hands found each other between the seats and touched. They gripped one another like that silently. I felt very keenly with them in the moment, even though my hands stayed where they were in my lap. It was so sharp and clarifying, this feeling, that I slowly began to feel very separate from them. 
the man and the woman held hands and breathed heavily. I just kept sitting there. There was another man sitting next to the woman who had been silent through it all, intensely eyeballing the situation. He was bald, stern-jawed, and looked to be on his way to meet a mistress in Fark Sixie. He all of a sudden burst into tears. Me too, me too, the man said. I had exactly, exactly the same dream. The woman put her hand on the crying man's shoulder and brought him closer. I felt even more out of place. Not only had I not had a similar dream as them, but I also couldn't seem now to understand the depth of their grief over this peculiar dream. None of them could seem to describe the dream, which was the first problem I saw. Also the shape. As they held each other in a twisted, moping cluster between the seats, I tried to imagine the horror of the shape. Not a cube, not a trapezoid, not a, anything that would make sense in normal geometry. I tried to imagine it, a shape that was so horrifying I couldn't breathe, but I couldn't imagine such a shape. The only things that seemed to take place in my head were the memories of my own more pleasant dreams, something about a dog or a puppy or the feelings dogs or puppies generally elicit. Of course, dogs and puppies can elicit different emotional responses from people, so I didn't quite know what I meant. Maybe it was just being happy a consensual kind of happiness between two people, maybe a very placid normalcy, one that we think we live in all the time, but really only ever can aspire to. I don't know. Every time I tried to imagine a horrifying shape, my pleasant thoughts would disassemble, would disassemble it. I was immune to any imaginable terror, or at least when it came to shapes. They wept some more together until the woman finally stuck her head up and asked if I had the same dream. I had a dream I said yes yes she said but did you have the dream I looked at her I looked at the two men one and then the other they stared back at me ready to receive me in their communal he healing I had a similar dream I said very very similar slightly different but also may um, maybe similar was it the shape asked the man in the seat next to me did it provide you with answers tell us I didn't answer him I believed I was telling the truth when I said my dream was very similar, but slightly different. It was. The contents were different, the feelings were different, but the lasting fog of vagueness was similar. There seemed to me to be a smudging that had happened in the course of both dreams. It seemed very important, but I couldn't say why. No answers, sorry, I said. It was all pretty hard to explain. And I, I'll stop there, <laughs> it goes on. <laughs> Where can we read the rest of that? This actually is unpublished. Yeah, I'm kind of, you know, it's one of those things that I've been kind of like, I started a few years ago and I thought it was just going to be like a very short piece, but then it kind of, it, it started to grow. It kind of just didn't leave. And I, I don't know, it, it might end up being something longer, but right now as it stands, I feel like it's a short story that's right now it's currently like eight pages. So it's pretty, it's still kind of short, but it's unpublished currently. <laughs> I was mesmerized. <laughs> I loved it. Do you, so I, as soon as you said the title, I started laughing. Um, <laughs> the title was, I try to imagine a horrible shape. Is that right? A horrifying um, shape. A horrifying shape. Yeah. Um, do you often, cause in, in small moods, there's so many great titles um, that like clarify something in the story or call it to attention as normal titles do, but also sort of make it pivot um, mm -hmm. or even like open up the story even more. And I'm just wondering, um, do you start with titles or do they come to you later? I, 
you know, it's different. I think like normally I kind of just write the story and then I will either take like a phrase. I, I like, there was a, there was a phase there where I was like, I'm just going to take a really weird, awkward phase, uh, phrase that is from a story and make that title. And maybe that'll like help. I don't know. I just thought it was a weird thing to do. So I kept doing that. But, um, <laughs> well, it's sort of so like, I know I'm acknowledging in advance that that was an awkward phrase. Okay. And I, now I'm doing it on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So you can trust me. <laughs> but there's so, value even in like making just someone laugh. Like that's enough. I feel yeah, like, like yeah. that is valuable. The title. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree too. Yeah, totally. Well, I think there's those moments of, of like, we're laughing. And then all of a sudden, and I'm talking specifically in your work, Shane, like we're laughing. And then all of a sudden it's like, what the fuck? An emotion that makes you look at what we were laughing at in, in like a, like you would be looking through the eyes of an alien or something, or like looking, <laughs> like looking at it in a completely different way, almost like those people with the dream, like it's profound, but it's funny. And, and I don't know how you do it. It's it, sometimes it's um, sometimes it happens like in the very last line of the story where we're just kind of like, I bought an octopus. I literally was going to say that. Were that was you? the next thing I was going to say. <laughs> yes. Happens, that's one of my happens, favorite stories in the, in the whole book. It's so good. It, it oh happens my God. again and again. And then, um, I mean, the final sentence is the problem is we get to choose and it's not even a sentence because it has an ellipsis at the end of it. So um you and 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 it just makes you go like no wait what and you have to go back and kind of look at it again in this new way but a humid fugue what's what oh yes what shocks me is i um i read an interview with you or i should say i read uh the first part of an interview with you um (laughs) the title (laughs) you said um that the way that you wrote a lot of these was typing them all at once into a tumbler and it was like all of them were just like free first drafts yeah and um so i'm and i want to hear you talk about like how these pivots come to you how these final lines come to you um gosh i so so in the instance of um i bought an octopus that that ending came actually relatively late i think like before i turned in the manuscript to Kevin at Future Tense. Like, I think I, that was one of the, the, the stories that I was like, eh, it doesn't really, end. you know, like it, it ends, but it's like, eh, it doesn't really have that punch to it. It was kind of more of like, a, I think it ended with like, he takes back the octopus and then it's like, he gets ice cream cones. And then that's basically it. It's like when the kids start just yeah, licking the ice cream cones and it just didn't, it didn't really have much to it. So I kind of, um, I kind of had to go back into the story, I think, and kind of, I, I, which I hate doing. I kind of hate going back to my stories and like, mm-hmm. what, what did I just write? It's kind of, it's so, uh, it's not, it's just not my thing, but <laughs> um, I had to go back and look and kind of feel out what are, what are the things, what are the tendrils here that I can maybe, I don't know. It tends to be kind of like an automatic thing where I'm like, it, I, well, the first thought that comes to me, I'm like, well, I'll write that. And then if it sticks, it sticks. Or if it, you know, if it evolves, it evolves. So it's kind of a very, it's, it's not a scientific process, I guess, for me, it's very like seeing in the dark, you know, yeah. or like trying to see in the dark. And um, my main, I guess my main thing I, that I try and do is like keep, I have an allegiance, I guess, to comedy. Like if, if there's one thing I'll, I won't like 
skimp on it. If it's, if it's funny, I'll probably follow that, you know, that, that, um, path. So, um, even though that one, I guess, I don't know if it's a, a funny ending, but it's, it certainly, it turns. So that was kind it's of definitely, very- it's definitely funny leading up to it, which I think is what makes the final couple sentences. So, um, I don't know, meaningful. I don't know yeah. if I should say that word, but like, <laughs> you know, like he's, he's lying to them that the octopus died. And in his head, he's, he's like, God damn fucking loser. <laughs> I love, but I love the way it appears on the page too, <laughs> yes. because they each are their own little paragraph, yeah. like, like fucking loser, idiot, or whatever it is. And I'm just like, this is perfect. That was <laughs> the best. Oh my so, God. yeah. So it's like really funny. And then all of a sudden it's this moment of like absolute, like, person standing in the middle of a multiplex of universes kind of trying to like understand you know like it's it happens that sort of like expansion and contraction happens a lot um it almost like it almost feels like uh like there were a few times when I was a kid when I would get these fevers and everything would feel like I would look out from my eyes and everything would be really really small and I'd be like obsessed with how small my mom was and stuff. <laughs> and so <laughs> I've never said any of this out loud. <laughs> it sounds so stupid. But it. as I was reading Shane's book, I was like, he gets it. He had the fevers too. <laughs> Shane got the fever. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so uh, thank I wanted you to, for making me feel seen. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to bring up another story that has a hilarious title, but the relationship to the story, I think, is works very differently than the story we were just talking about. Who invented Xmas music? Oh God, I was going to bring that up was, to you, Alex. That was one of my other favorite ones. The you know the opening, what is it? Two thirds of the story maybe are fucking creepy and <laughs> disturbing. And then there's a there's a turn, and the turn is like directly into the title it's like you begin sprinting towards the title in a way and there was something so funny about that to me when I realized that the story was just going to end like with the like (laughs) explaining the title after the way it opened and I was there was something so uh joyful about the experience of reading this book and I think that is the one thing that I I actually was thinking of Diane Williams a lot while I was reading this, except I tip like Diane Williams, I feel like has a menace that these stories, some of these stories are legitimately disturbing, but there isn't a menace to them. I feel like a lot of them make me feel so happy to be reading because you don't encounter this kind of, intellect but also playfulness and i feel like playfulness is so overused when we describe work that we haven't encountered before so i want to i want to scratch that from the record a scratch no, playfulness no, no, no. <laughs> but but, but there, there's a better word there's a better word there's just there's there's just a willingness to be open i feel like it come it's clearly it's clearly a writer who reads which I think is the highest compliment because so often you encounter stuff and it's like a winnowing down of a perception or like a a kind of like forced aesthetic 
And this feels like the opposite of that. It feels like an opening out. And uh, I'm so thankful for this book because it's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, I want to know, like, I think in, in like relation to that, what you're saying, Alex, is like your process of like, it feels chaotic to be like, I'm in Tumblr. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's like step one, but, but in the best way, right? Like, and I, yeah. I want to know, like, um, is that how you wrote? like when you first started wanting to be a writer, is that how you approached it? Or, or, um, or is this like a way that you were able to like, get to your most, like, like you to, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, yeah, I, feel like yeah. I feel like we have this vision of like what writing should look like and we all try it on. And then we eventually find the thing that works for us. Was yeah. there like a, a period where you were like trying on different ways of trying to write before this came to you and it really started to work? Yeah, actually, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely the latter. I think in like, back in undergrad college, I was like, I was definitely under the impression of like, if you're going to write, you might as well go for like this huge epic novel. Why write short stories or why, why do anything else? But like, you, you know, I'm going to go for, you know, go big or go home. And I'm going to like be serious and like write at a desk or And whatever. I'm going to get that money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I sucked at it. It was just not good. It wasn't good. It wasn't good stuff. And I wasn't really, it wasn't having fun. I wasn't having fun, I should say. And um, I think it was only after, I think I started the Tumblr. I want to say it was the summer after I graduated, uh, you know, college. And because it was, it was on one way, it was like, I'm going to keep myself writing. Um, and another, another way was like, uh, I guess, I don't know. There was at that point, I feel like Tumblr had some interesting like things going on writing wise. It wasn't like, it wasn't, it was just a different world then, I guess. So I decided to make it and it just ended up being like the, I guess the doorway to like having fun. You know, I, it didn't really matter what I wrote or, you know, like if it was polished, I would just write something that I thought was funny that day or something that popped in my head and I would just post it. And um, I don't really think I, it wasn't really like I got anybody was like, nobody was like coming to be like, wow, like there was no comments or likes. It was kind of very like just putting stuff out into a void, which I think was better. It was like, nobody was interacting with my stuff. It was very <laughs> like, there was no, uh, there was no, none of that. So it was like, all right, I truly am in this, like my own little corner of the internet. So I'm just gonna, I am just gonna have fun. This is interesting. So it definitely, that, that, that helped a lot. I think um, weirdly, like, I feel like there's a lot of horror stories about, writing on the internet or internet writing and stuff but that wasn't my experience I guess it was just kind of like it was my own little my own little cave out there it was nice or my own corner of the sandbox so it was nice you mentioned a little earlier that like going back into your stories is not really your thing <laughs> um and and I want to I want to talk a little bit more about that too because I feel like <laughs> I feel like um people are afraid to to admit that you know like like they yeah there's still this perception that like writing is revision, you know, and, yeah. and that's definitely true, especially in that epic novel we're all going to write. But, um, <laughs> but, but I want to know like, what, what does it take away from you to go back in and tinker? What does it take away from the story? And I don't mean that in like a, why aren't you doing it? I mean, it yeah. in, in genuinely, like, I really want to know, like, what is it um, that stops you from like, let me, let me look at this again and see if I, you know, like reform it or whatever. I, I think it's like it takes 
it's a hard one because it's like I don't even examine that part of myself. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> I'm just oh, like I, I don't want to do it. I can relate to Shane. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because like one person, I feel like it was at the post office. They were like, you know, how do you um, how do you write? They're like, why? Like, how, like, you know, what is it like to write? And I was like, or they were asking advice or something. I was like, you know, the thing I do is I just don't think. I don't think about it. And they were they were like, what? This like so crazy. And I I think that is my my natural like philosophy is like I but the less I think about the, whatever I'm writing about like you know in a, in a I am thinking about it. I'm not just like putting stuff out there but it's like uh I don't want to turn over it too much because it kind of takes away that kind of fresh I mean I don't know it's like a fresh rawness to the to the material but yeah. mm-hmm. I, I do go you know I, I do go back to it it's just it's with some ambivalence and it's also, it does make the stories better, I guess, some of them eventually, but there is that, that, that freshness that I, you don't, you can, you can revise to like it, you can get to that point again, make it seem like it, it just came out of you. But it, I guess for me, it's like, I know it didn't. So it's like, eh, I just have to write something like this, but <laughs> I don't know. I love that, but it's also so funny to me. Like that is, <laughs> so fucking funny i mean it's the best but i don't know why that's also just hilarious i don't know i, I love it oh fuck i'm sorry i'm, I'm in a mood tonight shane I'm, I'm like i got you know i got the i've been solo parenting for the past three days and this is the first night that i'm able to not do that and uh welcome back oh, man. thank you hey thank you thank you <laughs> um shane i'm curious how um Small Moods ended up at Future Tense. Um, there's been so many awesome books that they've put out over the years. Meredith Allen's book that they put yeah. out is yeah. one of my favorites. Um, and Kevin is so passionate about the stuff that he puts out. Um, yeah. And it just seems like a great spot for Small Moods to end up. And I'm just, I would love to hear about how, how yeah. it happened. I mean... I, uh, yeah, kind of just almost dumb luck. It was like, he, I think it was a couple summers ago, uh, he put out like a call for submissions. He was looking for like full length and like smaller, like chapbook uh, style uh, manuscripts. And so I, you know, I have a lot of these like small short pieces and I, I keep putting them in little, I keep, have kept grouping them in little um, kind of chapbook length uh manuscripts like 30 pages maybe 40 here and there just ones that kind of seem to bounce off each other and so I had one ready and I was like you know it was like 35 pages I thought okay I'll send it to that would be it's kind of like a long shot but that'd be cool if he was like yeah I'll take it and I guess a few months later I saw I saw Kevin was like he was following he followed me on I don't know, Twitter or Instagram. And he was like mm-hmm. liking things. I was like, okay, this is interesting. And then <laughs> he gave me a call one day. Yeah. And he was like, you know, I, I really like what you sent me. Um, but I want to actually, I kind of want to do a longer manuscript if, you know, if you have the material. And I was like, uh, yeah, I have the material. That, yeah, let's do it. So I basically, I think I had to, you know, puff, puff it out to whatever it is now, like 150 pages or something. But, um, yeah, it ended up basically, it was a very like swift process. And it, it, I'm almost still like, wow, that actually happened. I mean, actually, Small Moods is the thing and it's with Future Tense books. It's kind of, it's a weird, surreal feeling that I kind of haven't totally caught up to yet, I think. So, yeah. That's awesome. When he was, when he first started following you, were you like strategically posting 
Actually, now, unfortunately, I should have, but I guess it didn't matter at that point. But I just thought it was interesting. I was like, either, you know, either he really liked what I sent him or he's just really a sadist and he's just like, eh, I like what you post, but not what you write. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I'm in it for your socials. Yeah. (laughs) Who, like, who's, is there like someone whose career you're like, you would love to have like someone whose career you would love to emulate or someone, you know, like when you think of like the writing career that you would love to have, what does it look like? Oof, gosh, something I haven't thought of. So, <laughs> oh <my laughs> um, God. Uh, you know, no, I think I, the ability, I feel like just scanning my mind for like writers whose like careers I would readily like I mean I or guess even it's just like, like what would your life look like yeah I think it's like you know the the freedom to like write whatever little weird you know playful little things that I want to write and you know I don't need to you know I don't need to win awards and you know money and stuff it's like I, I think the writing I've always had fun writing it's like a fun thing to do it's uh I I think that's it. Like, as long as I can write, I don't even necessarily need to publish. Like I, I kind of was at a point too, like when I sent the thing to future tense, I was like, it's kind of like whenever I send this stuff out, I'm like, yeah, if it gets published, that's cool. But if not, that's, I don't know. Like it's, it doesn't, it's not really any skin off my, uh, what's the phrase nose back, whatever it is, you know, it's like, (laughs) I wrote it. That was the fun part, but and publishing is like, that's, it's exciting. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, I guess I don't know to answer it simply is like as long as I get to write that's that's what I'm kind of that's what it's all about for me I don't know so you're already there you're exactly yeah I kind of I feel like yeah I feel like I've yeah gotten the treasure (laughs) in a way Lindsay what is your answer to that question (laughs) um and Tyler that's a wow okay (laughs) (laughs) except I don't write anything like like her (laughs) why why is she the person that first came to mind uh, cause she had children and hmm. ended up publishing like, you know, dozens of books hmm. still publishing. She just, does she have she three kids? You know, I'm, I don't remember two or three. Hmm. Um, hmm. yeah. Ann Tyler love her. She's, she's like sneakily. She has two children, um, <clears throat> sneakily, uh, dark. Yeah, I don't like some of her books, I've... I would say um are are pretty 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 badass does some, ben some know where are, she went to college does ben know where she went to college probably actually Duke. his mom is the one who got me into her oh no way yeah um sorry i derailed this um <laughs> well you asked okay i know i know i know i know i know uh shane so you just recently left the job And a job I think that you, you enjoyed, right? Um, I would love to hear about kind of how you feel about aligning the way you make money with like your passion. If it's important for you in some way to have a little bit of separation or how you kind of think about that. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I I just recently left the post office. I was there for like, um, I guess roughly three years last actually all through the pandemic I started I think what was it? it was like 
play 2019. So oh, wow. um, it was weird. It was like, you know, I, I was just coming out of, uh, so I went to Cornell, the, the MFA program at Cornell, and um, they give you like two years as a lecturer after the program. So that was like such a sweet gig. I was like, it, it was one of those things where um, it made me want to teach. Like if going into grad school, I was like, I, I will never, I don't want to teach. That's, I, I can't, like, I can barely think about my own writing. I can't, I can't be teaching kids about, or, you know, like young people about, uh, <laughs> about writing. So, but the experience there was like, so, I don't know. It was, it was a really great experience. Like teaching there felt very natural or just teaching in general, I should say. So it, it, it was, it was a great experience, but then unfortunately after the, you know, the two years were up, I think I, I think I underestimated, like, I was like, there's no jobs, or maybe I just didn't apply to <laughs> any jobs. It was like one of the two, I, I don't know. So there was no job. So uh, eventually I was like, I need a job. And <laughs> I went to the post office because they, you know, they're always hiring. So, um, and to me, that was like, it felt weird because it's, it's a very jarring experience to go from like an academic um, kind of like, um, atmosphere to an atmosphere that is very like very absent of any kind of acad <laughs> academic uh, quality like the post office is very like you know it, it, it's like a mechanical like everybody has their routine this clerk will do this and like it, it's all clockwork you know people run on muscle memory it's like it's such a weird it's such a weird experience. Not that academia isn't like that, but it's like, um, I don't know. It's just a different flavor. So I had initially, to make a long story short, I initially like um, intended on being in the post office for like maybe, I don't know, a, a few months at the most or like just a stopgap, stopgap. But <laughs> it eventually turned into almost three years or, you know, just about. And uh, so part of that was the pandemic part of that was just like eh, it was it was comfortable it was a nice job like I started as a I started as a um as a mail carrier as a RCA which is basically like a sub who you know if the regular is out you're, you're on you know you have to do you have to go and do the whole route which is pretty tough people um they don't tell you this a lot like you you wouldn't expect it a lot of these guys they people cry it's like it's a hard job to go and like deliver mail it's like uh even if you're just in the truck all day it's there's so much mail there's so much mail and wow. is it like it's hard because it's physically hard it's well i mean no it's like mentally hard mm -hmm. <laughs> weirdly you know like i guess there is a physical component but it's like you look at your trays of mail and it's like, okay, this actually isn't too bad. Like I should be done this in three hours, but you know, two hours go by and you have still like two full trays of mail left. You have like 15 parcels and then you don't, you're not sure how this happened. It's like, it's a weird, it's weird being in the truck. Things happen in the truck, the mail truck that <laughs> time. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, it's, it's a hard, it's mentally very hard, I think. And, and a lot of people quit. A lot of people, um, can't take it. Uh, I was lucky enough to be able to like transfer. So I ended up becoming like a custodian. Unfortunately, they also used me a lot for, <laughs> for delivering mail still. So I ended up being like kind of like a jack of all trades at the, the one office I worked at. So um, yeah, it, it, it's one of those jobs that like, <sighs> I'll miss 
a great deal because um, it was it, it, the people there were you know i don't know the people there were great uh the job itself like in a way in a way working for the post office is also kind of easy like a government job is pretty easy because you have you know you have the good benefits you have the good uh it's like you know when you're working as you know nine to five or in my case it was eight to five but um it's it's it, the mental part i feel like is there people are very like I hate to use the word postal because that, that's not really the word. It's like, you know, it is, but it's like a, it's a people, too much routineness, I think creates this weird thing in people and they tend to be like, mm. okay, I need to get out of this. I need to get out of this. I mean, that, that's what a lot of people say. Like a lot of people at my office or at the offices I, I was at, they were like, you know, I, I need to, I should just quit. I need to get out of here. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, that sounds, you sh I don't know, you should follow your heart, but like, you know, I think you're doing a good job. Like I, you kind of almost have to be like, I ended up being kind of like trying to, try, trying to be like more uh, positive, I guess, about the situation. <laughs> but um, I don't know, I, I'm kind of just going in circles now, but it's, it was a job that ended up, I think it felt good to be in. Cause I don't know, the post office has a bad, I feel like it has a, it has a weird reputation. I feel like a lot of people, think of it as like this very um like horribly run institution that's like just hemorrhaging money and it's what's the use nobody really ha gets mail anymore and blah 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 it's all this kind of like the myths of it but it's actually a really great I don't know it's a really great thing to have like I, a lot of the places I would deliver to like they're the out in the sticks these like really just rural homes that are you're on a gravel path and this truck the mail trucks they have no <laughs> like they have no um ac in the winter or an ac in the summer they have like really hardly any heat in the in the winter it's what oh you know, yeah it's it's they these things are they've been around for like 35 40 years these trucks and <laughs> they'll break down they'll just send them to get fixed and you're you're back in them it's they're these you know just horrible trucks but you're you're going down these gravel roads to people who otherwise wouldn't have you know i don't know they i mean they could come into town i guess but it's you know they, it's their lifeline some of them um so yeah i i don't know it, it's a it's a job i'll miss um but also i'm glad you know i'm glad it was there i'm glad i'm kind of <laughs> uh i I don't know. I'm trying to choose my words <laughs> uh, preciously, I guess. I'm glad it was there, I'll say. So um, it, it afforded time to write. You know, it wasn't, it took up a lot of time because you're at a nine to five. I was there five days a week. So it's like, that's a lot of time that's not, you know, not conducive to writing, but I still had time to write. So I, I can't really complain. So it was, it was really good. It was a good fit for that, you know, for writing. Um, I find teaching also very good for writing too. Like that's just, I know that's probably like a contentious point, but for, for some people, but it's like, I don't know. I find, I find, or at least I found that at grad school, it was like very interesting to, you know, uh, hear these young people talk about writing or, you know, stories and it kind of ignites, ignited something in me, you know, it kind of, <clears throat> it felt good to like, hear all that and then be like all right I want to actually go I feel like writing now so I feel like I'm yeah I'm, I've been in a lucky spot the last few years so yeah 
yeah, I feel like Justin Taylor was saying something similar, you know, cause Alex and I always ask, cause we've heard it too. We've heard lots of people in our lives say like, oh, you know, it's hard to teach and write. Um, so it's, it's like refreshing and, and cool to hear that it's actually feeding you in that way. Yeah. yeah. For now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I just jinxed you. Yeah. <laughs> Who are some of the writers that led you to write the way you do are some of the names that we're, we're seeing on the back of your book. And that kind of popped into Lindsay's mind, in my mind, some of your, your favorites or are those more people that you came to later when people were like, Oh God, you have to read this person because you're writing, you know, sure. Similarities to Brodigan or Diane Williams or. Um, yeah, no, I feel like those, those writers for sure have always been kind of in my, like, they've been on my bookshelves for sure. Like Lydia Davis, I think of, she might be my favorite writer, I think. Like she's, I think she's just like a genius. She, I don't know, if it's not her short stories, it's her, like the translations are so good. Like I just finished, uh, I'm in this book club that we just finished the, um, what is that? Swan's Way, her translation of Swan's Way. Oh, cool. And I didn't even know like, she did that. Yeah. It, and I mean, it was, it was weird because it's like still very much, it was a long, you know, kind of mm -hmm. very long sentences and it, it was, it was its own experience, but I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see her, her, her fingerprints on it. Like there's, I don't know. She, she's just the way her mind works is I love it. I, I'm so glad she's in the world basically. Mm -hmm. Like she's cool. And the others too. I mean, Russell Edson, I think I came to, I might have I feel like maybe in college actually like I, I found a couple of his pieces and I thought wow this is kind of I was still in that phase of like um eh, I'm still trying to write a novel so I was like this is cool it's a little silly though like why would you <laughs> a nice little treat but and so I, I think I came to kind of more fully appreciate him because I think he is he, you know he's also just kind of doing his own little uh, he, he's like a stand-up comedian almost like his you know it's like a lot of his pieces are they they end on these like weird absurd um in these weird absurd places but it's it's so funny to me I don't know so isn't isn't Russell Edson the writer that Lydia Davis read and immediately went and wrote one of wrote her first very short story oh maybe I don't know oh my god is that true I have no idea if it is. that'd be weird yeah, yeah I better google that <laughs> <laughs> what about um like contemporaries who 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 do you like that's out there, you know, like up yeah, here? Yeah, you were right. You were right, Lindsay. Yes. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, contemporaries. I, uh, gosh. Um, really, it's weird. You, you ask a question and my mind goes blank. I, I, I do it all the time. And then Alex turns them on me and I'm like, a doy. Oh, man. I feel like yeah I mean it's weird because like I feel like there's I, there's a lot of them out there like I just I think I just read I just finished like the new Tessa Moshfeg and I I mean she's just she's also another person I find very like very interesting like she she has this very strange uh 
And then she has this very strange kind of persona, or not strange, but like very uh, bombastic persona. But her, her books are usually like, I don't know, I'm always like, lately though, I'm like, uh, should I like her or not? No, no, it's really good. It's good stuff. It's funny and stuff. It's dark. Uh, it's weird because I, I remember reading her very first book, uh, The Blue. So I worked, I worked at a public library before I went to grad school. And so I would have all this access to like, the new whatever new books were out and like uh, it was great I, I missed that job too actually I miss all my jobs weirdly shoot um, <laughs> yeah um, but so I remember that came across the desk and I was like what the heck is this and I thought it was so like it was weird it was such a, like, a weird different kind of vibe and I thought I wonder if this person is gonna like because that was what that was like 2013 14 maybe and it was before kind of she blew up basically and I I, I remember that specifically because I remember uh, recommending it to one of the, the people there I was like you know I think you would like this because he was very into like kind of darker stuff and uh, yeah so I, I think of that stuff I think of her as being a very like she's I like her stuff I respect I respect her her corner of the, the world basically so I read Eileen that's the only one of hers I've read and I I remember there's like a part where like she calms herself down by doing high kicks in a <laughs> conference room or something <laughs> I remember being like this there is nothing out there like this and I loved it but I haven't read I haven't read anything after that I, and I never read McGlue although I've heard great things about it she's so divisive I haven't read any of the novels yeah. but I read the I read the collection and there are a couple stories in the collection that I absolutely loved. There's, yeah. Have you have you read the collection, Shane? Yeah, yeah. You know the? Do you remember the the Hollywood story like about the guy wanting to go be an actor? Oh God, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, for some yeah. reason that one always sticks in my head. I'm like, <laughs> who the fuck could write a story like this? I was just so jealous of how weird that story yeah. was. There's a, I mean, basically every one of those stories is pretty nuts, but yeah. uh, it's probably like better in the long run for to keep people guessing rather oh, yeah. than be like like release a book that everyone loves and then the next book is different you know what i'm saying like it oh yeah like, definitely yeah just like being herself totally herself is yeah. probably for the best i mean even better to be hated than <laughs> than <laughs> law i mean so much of the stuff that gets coverage is just absolute trash just yeah, so sure. boring sure. just it's just a pretty face or like a guy with a great haircut and you open why up can't i be the guy just... with the great haircut for once <laughs> i don't know i like your hair thank you uh, yeah i don't know i derailed that one too um i think that's that's great so what are you still writing stories are you working on are you going back to your roots and trying to write a novel or what's up with you? Yeah. I mean, I'm doing kind of all of it really. I, I have taken a break kind of this last summer, this, this summer, because I've, it's just been a busy summer at work and um, just elsewhere. So I, I mean, I, ha I have, I have short pieces that I'm tinkering with. I did, I mean, at grad school, I did write a short novel um, for my thesis and it's, it turned out to be, I feel like weirder than I kind of intended it. So it was, <laughs> <laughs> I I remember John and John was on my uh, thesis committee and he was like, you know, he had a lot of questions about it. He's like, I don't know if this is the right 
I don't know if this is the right path for this and this. He had a nice, he, he really kind of, uh, he really did a good delineation of like, I think some of the stuff that was kind of, uh, what, what's the word wrong with it? What's the <laughs> so, word? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been tinkering with that for now, I guess the last few years too. It's, it's, it's definitely, it's one of those pieces I'm not ready to let kind of like die. Cause I don't, I don't think it's deserving of death just yet, but it's like, there's parts that maybe I'm like, maybe I can just kind of, I don't know, roll into something else or just completely take out. It's one of those pieces that I'm trying to, I'm trying to revive. We're trying to change that, that, that it lives. (laughs) Um, So, so there is that it's, it's a pretty short novel too. It's not like a, it's not one of those big epics, but I I don't think, I don't know if that's in me at, at this point. Like I, I like, I like brevity. I like, I like sort of short, shorter things. They don't have to be like short, short, but um, there's something like, and maybe that's just the mood I'm in these days. It's just like, I like kind of a lightness to the, to the length. Like there's something, it just feels right right now. That mm-hmm. could change in a year. It could change in a week. Who knows? But yeah, that's where Some I'm of at. my favorite books are extremely, you know, some of my favorite novels are extremely short, you know, yeah. like yeah. John's book subdivision yeah, um, yeah. is, is real tight. <laughs> yeah. 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 and uh you know just not a word out of place yeah and i'm actually so reading, weird yeah i'm reading right now uh muriel sparks um it's called not to disturb have you guys oh, heard I don't know it no it's no, like really it. short yeah it's like uh, let me see actually it's like 150 pages but it's like i feel like the type is pretty big too so it's basically about like it's kind of an upstairs upstairs downstairs story about these servants who can't disturb their baron and baroness they're in some kind of meeting right now and it's they're not to be disturbed and it's kind of just it's it's really weird it's i mean muriel spark i find actually maybe she's another writer that i'm like i would aspire i'm nowhere near her because i feel like her quality of prose like her thoughts she's just she's like one of those sharp she's just a sharp she's an actual genius she's like you read those books and it's like uh okay this is another level yeah so that's what i'm reading right now it's been really weird it's a really weird book it's kind of mostly composed in dialogue but very funny it's like it's muriel sparks it's funny it's weird and yeah i I would recommend it thus far i haven't finished it but yeah i've only read the the driver's seat yeah um which is incredible yeah i love that now I'm just gonna like Mrs. Caliban, another short one. I just want to name the short books in my life. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another short book that everyone should check out is uh, "Small Moods" by Shane Kowalski. That's right. <laughs> it's on Future Tense. Yes. Um, and it's a delight, and I feel like um, like I read it in you know very quickly, like probably in a day or two. But it's one of those books that like you're done reading it, but you're not done. Cause you can go back in and like read anything yes. over again. And it's, you know, just as funny and weird. And like something else is like, Oh, okay. You know, like it's, it's just like, it, it would make a great gift with the holidays coming up everyone. There you go. Um, you know, it's, it's just a delight. Shane is the best way I'm looking right now and small moods is available on bookshop. 
is the best way to do it to get it maybe there or like is it better to get it directly from future tense um what's what's the best way for people to buy this book gosh i mean that's a good question i guess either way i, I feel like it's kind of in most places where you can get books so whatever i think is comfortable with you know other people it's yeah i know i, I think kevin definitely sends it out pretty quickly if you order it directly so there's there's that so cool he's yeah, a pro def- he's a pro yeah he is yeah. a pro for sure. It probably fits in like a back pocket. I haven't tested it, but I think it would. Um, <laughs> Definitely. I don't know how else to tell you. You could probably shove it in your bra. Um, sure. I have like a little fanny pack it would fit in. I'm just saying. It's like, it's no bigger than a Kindle. It's the same. It's it's almost exactly the same height as a tall boy. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, how do you know that? I am just, I don't know. Uh, embarrassingly, it's as tall as my stupid phone. Um, what? Oh, wow. I got, yeah, I got like the fuck, biggest, really? I, I made a huge mistake. I got one, I got the biggest iPhone. Oh my God. It has injured my thumb. Like a TV. From yeah, holding it. it is like a TV. It's, it's insane. Um, <laughs> but Shane's book is lighter than that. Okay. Yes. So it's not going to hurt your thumb. And more surprising. And yeah, it's just chock full of wonderfulness. Um, so Shane, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, this was yeah. fun, Shane. Thank you. Well, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to read your epic novel. <laughs> Get going on that. Bye. <laughs> Yes. I don't know. What I thought I you were just going to say my name and then I could just stop. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> okay, we did it. Um, uh, how have you been? I've been good. good. I just read like a very bonkers book Oh. called The Rabbit Hutch by Tess Gunty. I have not heard of it. Yeah, it's on Knopf, and I'm I'm doing an event with her at Exile in Bookville in August. Cool. And this book Have is they like, put you on salary yet? Oh my god, they they I I told Javier, who owns Exile in Bookville, that I want to do a variety show a variety show from their bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that's fine. So look for that. Um, cool. but no, it, this book is like I had never heard of it either, and she's not on social media. Smart. Um, maybe she's on Instagram, but she's not on Twitter. And uh, yeah, rabbit it's like... hutch knopf. Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, I if the yeah I guess she is on Instagram. If the opening was a little bit shorter, I would read it right now because it's so insane. Um, what a fucking cover! Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and um. Anyway, so I really enjoyed that, and I hope people read it. And I watched Doctor Strange last night. How was it? You know what? It was delightful. Cool. It was there was like a Fantasia homage? Hmm. There was like uh, amazing. Yes, thank you. I was I was so I was tickled pink to see it, mm-hmm. and there was like it seemed like there was like a Tim Burton homage, although it's a Sam Raimi film, so I don't know. But um, Sam Raimi made it. That's yeah. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. So Bruce, what's his name? Has a cameo. Oh, uh, camera. Uh, Campbell. Campbell, yeah. Yeah. And we went to uh like a carnival today. Nice. Yeah. 
family family life reading media <laughs> media uh what about you what's up with you uh brit's been she had like a i don't know like a friend girls weekend type thing for the past several days so i was with it was me and the girls me and my girls so did she like come home to sleep at night or she's out yeah but we were but we were asleep <laughs> so like Dang, you put she the girls would, to sleep by yourself yeah it was fun you know like we did all the normal stuff um that i would do it was just yeah just bedtime bedtime was a little different but it was no big deal and then god what else is happening in my life oh i'm gonna coach my older daughter's soccer team so that's kind of funny because i like soccer i've watched a decent amount of soccer in my life but i'm not i don't really know that much about soccer you don't need to yeah it'll be fine i mean it's just gonna like be hurting cats is what everybody says (laughs) but uh yeah so that'll be fun it's gonna start in a couple weeks and other than that just kind of normal stuff man a lot of yeah a lot of dad stuff recently which is good it's been fun summer's been fun it's been fun to run around and it's still covid obviously but it's like a little bit less intense right now so yeah we were at um all three of our kids go to swim lessons at the same time now oh that's awesome which is awesome yeah um and i just hit me yesterday like I was helping Judith like shower after her Uh lesson and I'm looking around and I'm like, this looks exactly the way it would look if there was no COVID. Like there's Mm -hmm. just like families in the pool, kids taking the lessons, like, you know, like people just everywhere, families everywhere. And it was like a really good feeling. It was, yeah, that's awesome. It was beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, it's a good feeling to have at least some, some places where things feel kind of normal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we have a family coming in, not this week, but next week. Uh And I was just like looking around my house and like every wall is disgusting. Like my kids (laughs) like feel their way along the walls or like wipe things on the walls. And, um, you know, especially because like we were home all the time for 18 months, you know? Oh, yeah. So I'm like, oh, my God, I'm like rushing around trying to like whitewash and paint and stuff because I just like like you see your home through the eyes of a visitor and you're like oh this is terrible it's crazy like you know I feel like clean for us is like all right the counter is clean Mm -hmm. but then it's like along the like like the perimeter of the room just like stacks of shit just yeah it's like it's like it's tidy because they're stacked yeah right like that's how it is in my house too Totally. And like you open up any drawer, it's just like, what the fuck is in here? Like, <laughs> it's just like, I have no idea what's in here. It's just crazy. I don't know. We've just been throwing a lot of stuff away and donating oh, yeah. some stuff, but I got to be honest. I'm not, I have, I have like a low tolerance for, I'm just like fucking throw it away. I don't care. I just, which is terrible. Like it's objectively bad, but I just am like, I can't, I hit a point where I'm like, I don't fucking care. Just throw well, it away. I think, I think it's actually 
ends up in the same place, regardless of if you I threw know. it away or, or donated it. Um, Ben's really good. He loves going through the kids clothes and his own clothes and like, like winnowing it down. That um, is a talent. That's he does awesome. it. I swear to you, he does it like once or twice a month. I do one shirt in, one shirt out. That is that is a thing I have. Yeah. Where like if I get a shirt, I will get rid of a shirt because I only wear like seven shirts. Yep. Why do I need 30 shirts? I know. Which I definitely have. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Whatever. We yeah, it's it, once you become once you have like once you're in the multiple kids universe, it's like, okay, all this shit can go. I don't care. I would I will live sure. in an empty box. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I need to attack the books. The books are what I really need to get. It's like, I, so many of these, I'm like, I am never going to read this. Like, why do I have three copies of the sequel? Like, what am I doing? I don't know. Well, like the library is my, uh, my drug of choice. And so you're really good with actually getting shit from the library. I oh, yeah, go to the library sure. all the time, but I honestly, I get stuff for the kids. I don't even get stuff for me usually. Well, I have the app. So any book I want, I just put it on hold using my yeah. app <clears throat> and so those are the books that take precedence and then I have like two stacks of books that I want to read someday mm-hmm. my nightstand is horrifying it is like gonna kill my dog mm-hmm. it's all gonna fall and kill her um but <clears throat> but but like library books are like I gotta get those so I can turn them back in or like books for the pod yeah and then I usually donate those like put them in the little library or whatever but I still feel like we're buried in books. <clears throat> we're a lot better than we used to be, but yeah, I guess it could be worse. Yeah, I guess. Could be buried in like football memorabilia or something. Oh no, we have that too. <laughs> I mean, All right, right, well, right go, uh, go right play with your me It's just like fucking, I have so much sports memorabilia right next to me right now. You wouldn't even believe it. I have all my basketball cards from when I was a kid. Oh, but that's like, good. Within, that's the good stuff. Is it? I don't know. Yeah. Ben yeah, has, Ben has like a binder of his baseball cards from when he was a kid. There you go. And Tyler went to Duke. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. You know what? I think I, I think I did know that. Okay. Love you. And Tyler, come on the pod. Sure. Why not? I know she listens. <laughs> Nobody listens. Are you crazy? Oh, God. All right. If you I'm listen, gonna... poke us on Facebook. Okay, bye. Uh, okay, bye. <laughs> I'm a writer, but is recorded by Alex Hickley and me, Lindsay Hunter, in our respective basements. Editing by Lindsay Hunter. Music by Max Loop. Yay!